What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Retire to Hunt. Look, I finally did it. Plopped off into the to the big ocean, into the deep blue, if you will. Finally went spearfishing with a couple of good buddies. Uh, we actually ended up, I won't give you the details, just listen up. It's going to be a short and sweet episode compared to uh, my previous episodes, but we get right to the point. I think it's a really cool listen. Uh, you know, this was just a huge opportunity for me to go down and, and really face one of the biggest fears that, that I have today, and that's that's the ocean. So finally got a an opportunity, good weather window. We went across, had a great time, speared some fish cold beverages cool breezes uh you know it was just a hell of a time in in the bahamas you know seeing the sharks seeing the uh everything man seeing sea cows and just the ride it was a hundred mile ride uh from isla Morada to bimini where we were uh where we were staying but just a hell of a trip bunch of great dudes with me we'll go ahead and jump right into it this is the recap of my 2022 spear fishing trip I'm sitting here currently on, we call it the Crab Shack, all right? It's literally labeled above the door. It's the Crab Shack. We're in the Bahamas. Bimini, uh, we've been out here for three days. Uh, three nights or just three days? What, how long have we this been out is, here? This is the third night. This is the third night. Third night. And when I tell you guys, I mean, y'all know me. I'm from East Tennessee. I, I, I'm not a big salt guy. I love to do the inshore stuff. You know, when I, I started playing football in Jacksonville, I started to fall in love with inshore stuff. But... This is probably the most that I've been on the offshore fish uh, as far as just attempting to go offshore and catch fish. Like, this is it. I mean, it's been every day, the whole day. It's been a hell of a time. But I got the boys with me, man. I got Brandon Linder, Colton Woodall, Austin Woodall. Listen, we've been tearing up the fish. Uh, shot my first fish yesterday with a spear. Yep. An outstanding day, outstanding achievement for me. You know, we've been talking about this for weeks, probably months. And I said, listen, I just want two spear, eight fish, right? But I happened to get two fish. You know, I, I did get two fish. But before we dive into that, let me go ahead and uh, so first of all, we were all gonna be on this, but my dumbass left an X XLR cable at the house, couldn't get Austin on. But we got his big brother Colton here. Colton Woodall, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Colton's a good, solid human being. Man, Walk, thank you for having me on, first of all. Second of all, thanks for being here. Couldn't be in a better place. Uh, sum me up in, in a nutshell. I've known uh, the big one over there since we were probably eight years old, playing ball. Uh, grew up just kind of doing the outdoor stuff, similar to you. I mean, grew up doing the fishing, the hunting, just anything outdoors off the grid, kind of just a happy, safe space. Absolutely. So uh, pretty cool to have you out here and you know get a feel for what we grew up doing and uh, kind of acclimating you, getting you, you know, thrown in the mix. And I'll tell you what, man, you acclimated quick as shit. So that was uh, that was cool to see. Cole, I appreciate that. And, you know, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have just came on this trip with anybody. You know, I wanted to come with people that had the experience, not only, you know, the Bahamas experience, but you guys have been spearfishing since y'all was – since Moby Dick was a minnow, you know what I mean. Y'all have been y'all have been in the water, you know what I mean. So I couldn't have thought of a better group to come with. And uh, shit, I mean, I, I literally trusted my life with y'all out there on that reef. Uh, you know, so it was good to be able to go out there with y'all, get a little, a uh, couple pointers from y'all. You know, do this, don't do that. Uh, I mean, I learned a ton on this trip. I can't wait to share all the details, but. Colton, so talk about what you do a little more uh, for a living. You're a pilot, right? Is that on a commercial basis, private basis, or what? Yeah. So I um. It came to a decision where I could either go on the uh, the commercial side or private side. And for me, the lifestyle I like to live, you know, I figured just my time schedule would be more, 
you know, conducive to what I want to do on the private side. So uh, ended up getting a job here. I live in, uh, in Stewart, Florida now, so South Florida, a little bit more higher demand for the pilot private side. Um, been doing that for about two years now. I mean, shit, no complaints. I mean, you fly some cool places, some interesting people. It's been a hell of a try, you know, hell of a journey for me. And uh, again, having this time off, like a lot of times I'm 10 days on, eight days off. So yeah. having those eight days off, I mean, there's a lot to do if you, you know, plan it out right. I got to tell the fiance that, but I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. hey, hey, here I am. And it's, it's been a good time, man. So, oh Stewart, also a hell of a fishing fishing town Stewart, okay oh yeah what's what's like the main attraction of Stewart as far as the fishing goes like what's there? sailfish well, I mean, sailfish. sailfish and snook what do you I think i would say yeah no doubt because like Stewart's like whole like motto like ev- all the signs have like sailfish so so the, isn't that the place where you don't have to go off very far i think you've told me about it it's, yeah it ain't it's not far. A closer or what? what what's the deal with that exactly yeah the gulf stream i mean all the way south florida i mean i would say shit Miami up to you know Stewart, it, it comes in pretty close. Yeah. So with that, that that brings a lot of life, you know, coming there. So to get out in those pelagics, it's not a far run. But the inshore fishery, which you're interested in, man, some monster snook. I mean, Ooh. not uncommon to catch forty plus inches. <laughs> mm. So that's and that's, that's a, a feat. Yeah, we gotta get yes. that in the books because that I want that without a doubt, without yeah, a doubt, Walker, without a doubt, man. Hey, tell me about uh. So for snook, is it real similar to redfish as far as their slot, or once they get so big, you got to put them back? Right? It is, exactly. yeah. So they're they're slot, and it's a season for it. So they're they're strict on their on them, which rightfully so. I mean, you know, they get a lot of pressure, and they're actually very susceptible to like cold weather. Like in South Florida, when we were kids, there was a big freeze. I want to say maybe 2010, mm-hmm. and it damn near wiped them all out. Wow. Like we were actually going out to spearfish in uh, Black Point, Miami. And we're just idling out there, you know, to go to our spearfish grounds. And we're seeing floating snook everywhere because it was cold. So it wiped them out pretty bad. God. But uh, when they're when they're full and healthy, man, that's that's one of the best fish you can catch. I mean, saltwater-wise, inshore, they'll pull on you. It's, it's kind of like bass fishing in the saltwater. So. Those be good eating, too, right? They are, man. Yeah. Real good eating. What's Real the nickname eating. for them? I think we were talking about this. Uh, the soap, soap fish? Yeah, yeah soap yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back Why in the day. Back in the day when they didn't get them cooled down enough, like they didn't get them on ice, they, their skin would be soapy and they would get a fillet them. Like I think you want to fillet them, you know, in a couple of hours, but also get them cooled down on ice. The soapfish. Soapfish. That's that's the old legend. That's the old legend. Well, guys, you're hearing from, uh, we introduced Colton Woodall, Brandon Linder's back. Brandon Linder, uh, as you know, a former teammate of mine, longtime Jacksonville Jaguars center, Brandon Linder. How the hell are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing real well. I'm on the crab shack. I'm on the porch of the crab shack. We just had fried uh, yellow eye. We had fried hogfish that all of us here had speared today in the Little Isaacs or somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're just filming this podcast now. Got a something in my cup and i'm feeling good <laughs> i think we all got something in our cup but uh let's continue on this brandon lender paint us a picture of what happened when i got in town okay what what happened when we, and all the way up <clears throat> until we touched down at the crab shack okay so you came into town flew into miami uh the flight monday. came in monday monday the flight was delayed i was sitting on the side of the road about an hour and a half waiting on you you were on the runway something was going on with the airport Long story short, we had a peacock bass mission that afternoon. We were trying to get a peacock bass, but got to about 5.30 traffic, running to Bimini the next day. All right, we got some things we got to do. We gotta, I got to get back and pack, 
coming back from 10 days in the Keys, had to switch gears. Turn and burn. Turn and burn. Do the laundry. Flip the gear and let's go, okay? Pick you up. You say you're hungry, so we go to Havana Harry's. A, <laughs> a local favorite. <laughs> Listen, Havana Harry's, I hate to Havana it, Harry's. I love sandwiches. Uh, and I get it. Oh, bread. Listen, I try not to consume too much bread. Is it going to kill me? No. But my uh, standards of, of what type of a hunter I am and the things I can do in the, in the backcountry, I think that uh, the less bread I can eat, the better, right? Because just like me and Brandon Linder, we were both former 300-plus pounders. I think I probably at some point was playing heavier than him. I was 340 pounds at one point. Uh, So it's not hard for me to get to that, you know. But, uh, again, and this is, you know, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole, but hunting for me is what keeps my ass in the gym and doing stuff. And I think Brandon Linder's the same way. He just retired. So just like me, he's taking his time, taking a deep breath, but uh, there's a lot of things that I changed in my life to uh, to be able to climb that mountain, man. Um, I would say we talk about climbing that mountain and stuff. That spearfishing today that was a workout. Jeez, no that question. was getting that was getting in shape right there. I mean, I count that as a workout. I love that stuff. I mean, all day, four, five, six hours. On the, on the verge of cramping, got to get in, fuel up. But like that's a that's a hell of a workout, and you're holding your breath. You know, I think that's anaerobic. Is anaerobic, that the right term? Yeah, exactly right. Anaerobic exercise. I mean, you got to think we're burning like 2,000, 2,500 calories. Got to be. So that means when we get back, we can eat fried conch, fried fish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> fried lobster. Oh, my God. That fish was outstanding. Uh, so first of all, you jumped ahead a little bit. Let's go back to Havana Harry's. <laughs> Boom. Havana Harry's. We went there. Chum was in the truck, had the windows cracked. He was a good boy. We were watching him from the We were watching the him. We were watching him. But we went there. This is one of my favorite spots in Miami. It's a Cuban restaurant. Real authentic. One of my favorite spots. I go there because the trash go. Medium rare with some chimichurri, rice and beans. Really good. <clears throat> went there, sat down, uh, told us they, they didn't have it. And it might as well have been, you told me that I, you know, my dog was shot. It's exactly what it looked like. You, you had a reaction walk. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it looked like you got stabbed in the gut or something. Yeah, but moving on, we had to pick up the menu, and I got a Cuban sandwich. What did you get? I got, uh, it was called the Open Face Don Juan sandwich, like an open face sandwich. That's right. With, honestly, I thought it might have been churrasco, but it was like a skirt steak right. type of a beef and then um, some shrimp. Honestly, listen, like I was saying, I love sandwiches, but that's probably the best sandwich I have ever consumed in my entire life. It was outstanding. No, it was a staple. Love Havana Harry's. So then we left there, went back to the house, packed up, went to sleep, you know, had a good night, went to sleep, then in the morning, hit it, 5.30, Isla Mirada, we were on the road going to Isla Mirada, met Colton Woodall, Austin Woodall down there, loaded up the boat, boat was actually where we had just stayed the past 10 days on the bay, loaded up the boat, and then, uh, I mean, then we what was it, south of Bud and Mary's, that bridge right there, pointed it to Bimini, I think it was like 94 miles when I had entered the autopilot, and then we sent it, beautiful, beautiful weather, could not have asked for better weather, something you dream of, and we just hear the motors humming, the waves coming off the hall, daydream fuel. Daydream fuel, Uh, so let's talk about kind of where we're at right now, where we're staying in the crap shack, so we're officially in Bimini, This, this is in Bimini. This is in Bimini, in South okay. Bimini. So there's kind of explain where we're at on the island, if you can. So there's two islands. Uh, there's a channel that cuts them, North Bimini, North Bimini, South Bimini. We are on South Bimini. And we got the boat right behind the house right here on the dock. 
very convenient a good friend of ours owns this place and able to you know rent it from him and it just facilitates us having incredible times i mean what we did today that was truly special the past two days what we did those those boxes that we created i mean that was special and and being back in the water we haven't been here in the past three years so it was it truly was special being back and like uh getting in the water diving i mean that's that's near and dear to my heart i love that i know colton i mean that's what we grew up doing um so that was it was nice being back and we shot a mess of hogs Facts, big old hogs too <clears throat> big old hogs yeah so go ahead and talk i want to hear more about your boat so talk about your boat a little bit and why you chose the 36 yellow fan well um so it chose the 36 yellow fan i've always loved that boat i mean ever since i was a kid you know that was that was my motivation right there that boat um but i love i love the flare of it so you can i mean rough seas it performs it's been i mean it's been pretty incredible haven't had many issues with it um and it's just a, it's a hell of a boat a hell of a fishing platform i mean you can do it all get back in some shit i mean if it gets rough out there you can get home so no i've loved it i mean it, battle proven from jacksonville to Colorado, yeah. 410 miles that's right 10 and a half hours that's that's a long Guys, time if on a you center listen console. to episode two that's what Colton woodall is talking about right now the dude went all the way down to was it key west or well it? that was key west but colton was oh talking. that's right that's right you just turned around yeah, yeah that's we right just, we just did jacksonville to island Murata. Uh, ran through the intercoastal, came into my house, take, took a left down the intercoastal, popped out of St. Augustine, and headed south 410 miles to Isla Mirada. Had beautiful conditions. I mean, it was slick, calm. Never even came off a wave. Uh, at one point, we were making lunch. It was We were running 40 miles an hour. The only time we slowed down was to take a piss because, you know, it's a long run. We got to get there. I mean, again, weather could happen. It was 10 and a half hours, so... If we were if we were slowing down, it was just a piss. But other than that, we were running, and it took about ten and a half hours. And we had great, great conditions. But what we also talk about is that when we're talking about the Gulf Stream, getting close, like how far you got to go offshore in South Florida, you could see when we hit that Gulf Stream. It was, it was around Stewart. My fuel, my like fuel consumption went down, like my my burn of it. You know, one mile to gallon, it went to about 0.7. Because we hit that stream, and that stream's flowing no- north about four miles oh, an hour. So we were going against it, and you could tell from about Stewart to Government Cut pretty much. Once we jumped on, on like, that Hawks Channel, they call it, that bank, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it got back. But It's like hitting a treadmill, essentially. Literally. Ooh, literally. And then, and then also we've experienced, you know, times where the waves have been real rough there. Because if you get an east-northeast wind against that uh, Gulf Stream, you know, it could get rough. That time when I came down in Key West, when we went to Key West, came down and like right when we hit Stewart is about five to seven footers, pretty much Stewart to Miami, and then after that it slicked off again too. So is that pretty common to hit them there in Stewart? I'm just I'm just assuming because of that Gulf Stream getting close. That's why I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's switch gears now to uh, day one. So we got here. What time did we roll up to uh, to the crab shack? Was it before noon? Or was mm. it? I'm gonna say we rolled up around two. Okay, we rolled up around two. No, no, it, it was, was earlier than that because we were deep driving. It, it was it was around noon. Yeah. Got checked into customs. Had to check in. Got our passport stamped. Got to the crab shack. Unloaded all our shit. Turned and burned. Then we went deep dropping. Went out front. Uh, hopped around to a couple numbers. Found a good little ledge, um, and we caught some good yellow eyes. So had enough for dinner. That's what we were trying to do. Catch some for dinner, and I think. Uh, 
Chef Colton over there whipped up some incredible yellow eye and green beans. Also, Chef oh, Alston on the green beans. That's right. It was outstanding. <laughs> so talk about uh, the equipment, more specifically that electric reel that we use when we're deep dropping. Why, why an electric reel? Well, it's the water's deep. I mean, we're going anywhere from 600 to about 1,200 feet of water, just depending on what we're trying to catch. And, and I'm, I'm excluding swordfish here. This is all your tile fish your different yellow eyes queen snappers barrel fish snowy groupers um so you you're fishing deep yeah you can do it a uh, hand crank you're going to get a workout but you're probably going to do it one time and that's going to be it so i'm going grocery shopping i want to press some buttons and come up and down with some with some fillets but anyways yeah lp um badass reel i mean incredible reel you could sword fish with it you could high speed with it deep drop and then the rod i got i don't know exactly what rod it is but it's I like it a lot. You can really see the action in it, you know, when you're deep dropping. But, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's about 80-pound braid. You want it to cut through that water. So, I mean, anytime, you know, depending on the current, we're using about 6 to 10 pounds of weight when we're deep dropping. Got a trick chicken rig with about 3 to 5 hooks on it. You know, we got squid. Uh, well, ex- we were using cuttlefish this time, yeah. And also we'll troll for some barracudas because we like to use some uh, cut barracuda kind of make it finger like so it can swim it when we hook it a couple lights too because it's pretty dark down there that's right that is a fine point i mean you know you bring those fish up from down there and some of them do and some of them don't but you know some of them you bring up have that swim bladder you know hanging out and uh that's part of life down at however many feet they live at i mean i, I pulled one up from 1079 feet the other day uh which i thought was insane uh but now i definitely see the merit in the electric reel i feel like beforehand i didn't really understand the merit in it but now that i see it uh i definitely get why people deep drop and use an electric reel because it is way more efficient way more efficient i can't imagine being on the back of that boat uh the stern of that boat you know holding a pole trying to crank something up from about 1100 feet i no, can't even imagine i would do it about once and then after that i'd be like all right pass me the electric yeah i mean imagine if it's like a, a big black grouper or something like that and you're bringing that thing up from 1100 feet uh that just don't sound real amusing for me mm-hmm. uh, i'd rather hit two buttons and have that thing up in about five grocery minutes. shop and yeah. fill the coffin and box full exactly another thing is too if you're gonna you know invest the time the money to get out to those spots like you want it to be successful as many times as you can right you know if you're just gonna come out there and do it once it doesn't the cost to affect ratio doesn't make sense so and it's just like uh you know you listen to some of the the great hunters in the world and they always say that uh that their style of hunting is just odds multipliers it's like what can i do to put myself to give myself better odds and i think an lp is is an odds multiplier when it comes to offshore fishing definitely you have more time on the bottom with the, with your baits and uh i mean you could potentially catch more fish instead of cranking it up it take you like five to ten minutes and here you can just press buttons and you're going up and down with it right 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 easy easy and again, it's crazy to me to see how much weight we were using dropping it down. You said what, six to ten pounds? Yeah, I mean, just depending on the current. I mean, if if we're going about clipping at two two knots, two miles an hour, roughly around there, you know, probably 10, 10, uh, 10 pounds of weight. I mean, we're not talking ounces; we're talking pounds. Six to ten pounds. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And uh, so yesterday, we didn't get no diving in um, the day before yesterday. I'm I'm all the way back at day one here. So when we got here at noon, right? Yeah. Amen. When we got when we came over, we did not do no diving. We just came, unloaded. We actually sat on the sandbar right there. That's right. That's right. Where the boats are in our canal, had a couple palm trees, you know, perfectly placed, 
over the sandbar and we, we had some shade so we were sitting up against the seawall we made ourselves a drink we got on island time we you know we we took our watches hey island time island time but uh just deep drop that we got some dinner and then the next day was the big day we were going to the, we were going to the little in between you know somewhere between i don't want to even say it yeah be very vague in what you're saying somewhere you know I mean? somewhere between uh bermuda and the bahamas <laughs> <laughs> somewhere between the bermuda and the bahamas we were going trying to find some live bait got a couple got a wellful i mean wellful i mean 30 or 40 nothing much um but we went deep dropping. It was very slow. We've had great success at those numbers, and we were having great drifts, but it was very slow. I mean, Colton can attest to that. We were catching yellow eyes and queens and snowies, and this was just really slow. It was, yeah. Here and there, fish, but, like, what we're used to is, I mean, every drop, I mean, loading up multiple bites here and there. So so what do you think caused that for them to be off like that? Shoot, I don't know. You think it's time of year, pressure? Yeah, I don't know. Moon, moon I mean, phases, potentially yeah. moon. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But it was very slow. But after that, I was like, all right, four hours of that. Let's move on. The sun's high. I think it was around 11.30, 11.45. Let's get in the water. Went diving. And uh, I think Colton, Austin, and I went a couple times. Uh, we shot a couple hogs. We shot a hog. And then that's when, when you jumped in. There was a hell of a hog right there that you were able to spear first time. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Listen, man, Brandon Linder, I think you know me. I don't have a whole, whole ton of fears in this life, and I'm just being honest by saying that. Uh, but the ocean's one of them. Um, I'm from East Tennessee, and I'm not, you know, just because you're from East Tennessee doesn't mean you're just prone to being terrified of the ocean. But for me, it was just such a huge undertaking because I just realized how not as powerful you are in that water you know you're really just left up to the mercy of of that animal it's, you know it's today the day that this shark is hungry enough that he wants to bite me right because you know if you're down 15 20 30 40 foot and that shark it's just his day and he wants you i think uh and we've discussed this you know i think it's very easy for him to have you you know it's a different feeling that's for sure and and you know you were you were telling me about this at you know as we planned this over the last couple months uh that it was going to be a different feeling and it is you know uh like the stuff I do, you know, I'll be out solo with the mountain lions and the, the bears and so on and so forth. But at least there, we're on land having a battle. You know, having a battle under the surface, I just, it's, it's hard for me to fathom. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing that uh, that was holding me back from from doing any ocean snorkeling or anything like that. But I'll say this: just doing what we've done over the last couple of days, I'm so much more confident. Like jumping in there like because y'all saw me on day two which was our first day of diving how reluctant i was to plop off in that water uh you know and i just had to really really talk to myself and really remind myself how far that i had come to to be here to be in that position to do that and have experienced guys around me uh there, there was no turning back now i was almost turned back but i, I had to <laughs> i had to convince myself that there was no turning back and i'm gonna step in here for a second because those two Brandon Linder and Austin were in the water already, and I was driving the boat here, and it was uh, your final moments before you ascended into the deep blue, and uh, I could see you battling amongst yourself oh, over there, and it got to a point where it's like, you know what, I'm thinking in my head, hey, there's there's nothing I can tell him to help him out. It's like, it's, you know, he's battling some interior demons, he, you know, it's go time, you know, going to do it or not, and man, it was cool to see you go through that process and ultimately... I mean, fucking nut up and just jump in there, 
and face those fears head on. And another cool part from my perspective was, okay, I see you jump in, you know, you swim over to where, you know, meet up with everybody. And I, I didn't have enough time to go back to the cooler and grab a beer before I see your fins, you know, sky high. So I see you diving down. I'm like, wow, that, he didn't waste any time doing that. And all of a sudden you come up, you know, hogfish on your end of your pole spear, man. That was, that was impressive to see. I mean, not many people can, uh, say they face their fears a that quickly or in general, and then be successful and shoot, I would say under a minute. So that was, uh, that was impressive to see, man. Much respect for that. Dude, I appreciate the hell out of that. And, you know, like you were just talking about, you were on the boat with me. You were tending the boat. I sat on that gunnel for like three minutes after everybody had plopped in. I'm just sitting there having an intense battle with myself. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. You know, like, are you going to do this or are you not? And I'll tell you, probably a majority of me was saying don't do it. Uh, but, you know, that, that other side of me was like, you know what, this is this is a hell of an opportunity, maybe an opportunity of a lifetime. To be able to be in this on this patch reef, middle of BFE, Bahamas, uh, you know, and there, there's hogfish afoot, there's lobster afoot, there's, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, and just looking at y'all and seeing how comfortable y'all were in the water, it's like, all right, well, you know, it was putting me at ease, you know, seeing how comfortable y'all were in it. So that was a big part of, uh, of why I jumped in. Because like I said, I would not come out here and do this shit with anybody, and I ain't, I'm not just saying that. Uh, but okay, so I finally went down there. Literally, it came out the boat, jumped off the gunnel, looked down. I was like, holy shit, this is cool. <laughs> it looked like a little aquarium. So I swam, swam over to my buddies. They was, I don't know, maybe 12 yards away, something like that. And uh, Brandon Linder pointed down at the hogfish. I swam down, and I shot the damn hogfish. And I came up to the top and got in the boat. That was impressive. <laughs> I uh, I had your GoPro, and I didn't even have enough time. I mean, as soon as I pointed the thing out, you were already you were already ascending down there. I was like, oh shit, I had to hit record. <laughs> impressive though, beautiful shot. So I actually do have it on camera. I can't wait to show oh, yeah. uh, to show everybody. But yeah, you did a nice job <clears throat> filming it. And uh, obviously, me being as green as I am, I didn't think to ask the cameraman if he was ready. You know, to drop down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I took a breath and went. <laughs> I just, you know, I was breathing, breathing, breathing. I saw the fish. I saw the hogfish. And I was like, I might as well try it now. So I took a big, deep breath and went down there, and I speared that joker with a post spear. Not a Hawaiian sling. All right, guys, so you can't use spear guns at all here. So you're either going to use a Hawaiian sling or you're going to use a post spear. That's your two options. So I actually was using a traditional post spear, no roller. Uh, got off a good shot. First time I've ever shot a post spear. Got off a good shot on that hog and came up and... Uh, Honestly, that was all I needed. I mean, I could have stayed in the water the whole time, but that was that was like I had my fill. But then I woke up this morning, I was like, "Damn, I would get in again." And I got in again. And go ahead, Brandon Linder, about that story about you pointing that fish out, man. You got you got a uh, rock hind, something you were talking about. You wanted to get jumped in the water. Uh, this rock hind was behind this coral head. It was a pretty scene. The current was the current was moving a little bit. We had to keep kicking. I mean. It was tiresome, for sure. But uh, pointed out this rock hind grouper behind this coral head. Uh, perfectly, you, you descended down, and then you made a perfect stock on it, shot it. And then it actually got holed up. And then you try to get it out, but you went up to the get some air, which was a, a very good move. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and the thing is, like I was telling y'all, I did some pool work before I got here. But <laughs> listen, going down in the pool and... It's pretty easy to be calm in the pool, right? When you're the only person in there and there's no life in there. You can just go sit on the bottom Indian style, you know, until you're about to die and you come up and breathe. But uh, when you go down there and it's like, oh, there's a big-ass barracuda. Oh, there's a big-ass triggerfish. 
oh, this coral looks angry. Um, Fire coral. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fire coral. Uh-huh. You know, and, and on the way down, all you, and for me anyway, all I'm thinking about is, man, I hope they're watching my back because I just, I just feel the sharks. Like, I just feel it. Uh, but anyway, my point is. I was so, looking the other way. I was looking, <laughs> I'm sure you, <laughs> I was looking for other hogfish. <laughs> and my point is, is it's like, you know, the pool works great. Don't get me wrong. You know, I feel like I probably wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been able to do what I did if I wouldn't have went to the pool. But at the same time, it ain't nothing like being. First of all, how far there was no land in sight where we were looking for these fish. I just the went to like the that. nearest land was uh, about thirty-eight miles. Yeah, exactly. So, so guys, I'm talking about you look three sixty. There's no land anywhere. <laughs> You're just getting into open water, going down to the reef uh, or the ledge or whatever it may be. And doing some spearing. And these guys go deeper than me. So they, uh, you know, I would be the boat tender and they would be diving in 25, 30 foot of water. Uh, pull up a couple conks today from fairly deep, right? Yeah. Fairly deep water. That was about 24 feet. I saw those conks down there. One was trying to get away. One was escaping. He was getting trying away from to. me. Yeah. But he, you know, I was a little quicker than the conch. <laughs> <laughs> so is a conch like a mollusk? Is that because I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't know the exact answer, but. It's definitely some sort of muscle that is tasty when you clean it correctly. Yeah, we just ate and, it. And I think we did. Yeah, we cleaned it correctly uh, just about 20 minutes ago. Had some cracked conch, beat it with a hammer. You got to tenderize it a little bit. And then we had a little bit of uh, I'll go ahead and tell the secret recipe. You got a little lefties, uh, spicy, and then normal, the original. That's, that's more of a flour-based mixture. And then you go some Vigo Italian breadcrumbs. A little salt and pepper, pink Himalayan salt if you can, and then some Old Bay, you know, just to your liking. I don't know however spicy you want it, but um, that's that's the secret recipe right there. And then when it comes out, let it dry off. Crack a little bit more salt on there, and then maybe squeeze a lemon on it before Ooh. you're about to eat it. <laughs> that's gold. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this. So when you're out, you know, you've already, you've got so much experience, you have some spearfishing points already, you know, out here in the Bahamas. But if you were just going out looking for places, what is going to attract you to a spot? Like, what's going to make yeah. you say, let's try it here? Yeah, well, number one is, you know, does the boat have something I can, like a tower, something I can get up, right? The higher you get, the better you can see. And, you know, you can see a lot of these patch reefs, a lot of these isolated coral heads or these type of, you know, environments that are surrounded by eelgrass, um and so for me it's sight like i want to be able to see and obviously it depends on if it's overcast or sunny uh but if i can see i'm gonna find some spots okay conditions are right you'll find them yeah i'm gonna find them and then you kind of just once you see one you kind of know what you're looking for you're kind of like you know uh programmed and you could see it and then boom 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 you're just going throughout the day finding spots so, uh, is there a big difference in what you're looking for in a shallow water spearfishing spot and what you're looking for in a shallow water lobster spot? Mm, no, I mean, it's just, they're all one and the same. You know, uh, these spots that we're diving, they're probably going to have lobster. They might have also what we're looking for, hogfish, mutton snappers, different types of groupers. And then, obviously, in, on the outskirts and the eelgrass, they could have some conks, which we picked up a couple today. I think we picked up three. Um that was pretty good. We fried them up, and that that was tasty. Yes, it was. It definitely was. Yeah. What's interesting on your point, though, is you know the visual for what you're looking at. Now, a couple times you'll see something that might stand out that's a little bit different, but it's all about the kind of the trial and error. So you have someone physically jump in the water, say, "Hey, like, what am I looking at right here?" 
and you know someone that you you yeah, know you right. trust who gets Absolutely. in there hey here's what it is you relay it back up to the tower it's like yeah. hey that's what i'm seeing that's what you're seeing okay now i know what that looks like so you're just it increases your uh i guess your uh like finding rate you know okay, for what yeah. you're looking for it's, it's we, kind of these trial and error you know we did okay. that a lot in the keys we just came from when we were in alamrata uh it was really windy so we had to get in the bay and we were up in the, i was up in the tower and, and colin was the man he was jumping in saying okay this is actually something this is a hotel this ledge is holding bugs and then for me it's like oh no this is nothing it's sand so and then i'm like okay i understand what i'm looking for i'm kind of dialed in so now the next next things that i see is probably going to be legit <clears throat> so i mean what what's the biggest difference in uh what you're looking for for those lobsters and what you're looking for for, for fish well again they're one and the same i mean i'm looking for an oasis in the middle of nowhere in a big grass patch you know you got a little ring of sand around it and it's got some live corals some live sea fans because that's going to hold your hogfish that's going to hold your mutton snappers on the outskirts lobster might be on any ledge or any any part of relief there might be on that structure and that that's what i like i don't like the big reefs where you know you're swimming a football field or just drifting with the current you know we've had success in those areas but i i, I like the isolated patch reefs okay so isolated patch reefs let's talk about let's switch gears into yellowtail because we wore them out pretty good mm. today uh <laughs> we wore them out pretty good so what are you looking for in a yelltail spot? Depth of water, you know, the bottom contour. What are you looking for? Yeah, honestly, I mean, over here it's a little different because we go from about 70 feet to 300 and, and I don't know, about the length I could throw a football, so probably 180 yards. No, <laughs> no probably about 40 yards. Um, so there's a quick drop-off. But the one yelltail spot we have that's been very successful, it shows nothing on the bottom. When I'm reading the depth finder, it, it doesn't look like shit. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. I you know we like to drag the chum. You know we'll put a chum block in into the chum bag, and once I know where the drift's going, so how to anchor, I'll go ahead and drag a chum block. And the know. drift just meaning like the current, which way it's flowing. Exactly. So in, which, into the bank or away, like deeper to shallow or shallower to deeper. Right. Yeah. So now I know where to anchor and how to position ourselves. You know to have the best success rate. Um, so what we do is we put a chum block in the chum bag and then we drive around. I kind of do a zigzag pattern from shallow to deep, deep to shallow. Um, so are you running a particular depth or are you just running that ledge? Well, I mean, you know, it goes from like, again, it's like 65 and then it drops <clears throat> off to like 300. So I'm just going in between like 70 to like 90 back and forth, back and forth. And I know, okay, I know where I'm going to anchor. I go up there. Okay. Boom. Drop anchor. And then we get set up, and I mean, today it was beautiful. Chum block in, had the chum going, chopped up some sardines, and then boom, you see the yellow brick road, Austin's in the tower. He's like, hey, they're here. <laughs> get your rods. <laughs> and then it was just mayhem after that. I think 16. Yeah. It was, flags. Yeah. I mean, flag, flags. Flag. flag. <laughs> Good and size. If you, and, if you, and if you think about it, that's 16 flags. That's 32 sandwiches. Yes you know absolutely shit adds up it, it definitely adds up uh our boxes man god dog and you know you were constantly saying oh tomorrow so yesterday after we finished the day up because we didn't have a full day brandon linder was oh tomorrow the boxes are gonna be crazy it's gonna be crazy it, it, we had a crazy box uh <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of a lot of flags a lot of big mature hogfish uh, a couple lobsters uh but we had a fine box um 
a fine box. I like for a two good days box. <laughs> for two days in a row, we had a fine box. So, real quick, let's go back into the weapons. So, we were all using post spears. Talk to me about a regular post spear. What's the difference between a regular post spear and a roller? A one with a roller. Regular post spear, uh, there's a little kind of, I guess, O ring or a hole at the end of your pull spear you can put a band through. Um, and that's just like you have a band through your hand, kind of full grip. Up on the up on the shaft, this kind of sounds weird. I, I'm going into detail on the <laughs> shaft, but anyways, no, I just got my first roller band pull spear, carbon fiber uh, shaft, titanium injector. <sighs> and anyways, this thing's bad to the bone. I really like it. Shout out Black Reef. Um, but anyways, roller band. That's this has been my first roller band. The technology behind it, I don't know. I hear it's half. I hear it's twice uh, the times let's see twice as strong as it is and then about uh (laughs) (laughs) here we go anyways pull spears (laughs) we were using the paralyzer tips on the lobsters right that's right you know when we had the lobsters go down there shoot them with the paralyzer tip rip them off throw them in the boat next one so what's the merit of having like three prong thing? Is that supposed to keep them on longer or what? Um, it keeps them on longer. A little bit easier when you're shooting them. Kind of goes through your shell a little bit better. When you have just one single point, a little bit harder. So three prongs a little easier. I think the best part about it is getting them off as opposed to yeah. a slip tip that will penetrate all the way through whatever you're shooting. And then it kind of turns sideways and there's a string that runs all the way through. And then to try to, you know feed that all the way back through is kind of a pain sometimes no, that's a great point. so for lobsters it's nice just kind of shoot them pin them down on the ground and you can get your hand in there grab them pull them out but which i think about the eels often you know when we talk about shooting them and then going in there and grabbing them i've seen some more eels get after a lobster Ooh. imagine you put your hand in there <laughs> no that is true i'm probably gonna think about that a little bit more when i'm reaching my whole arm in there to feel for these lobsters I don't want it. <laughs> so did any of y'all just grab them yesterday or did y'all spear them all did you just grab them? Anybody? No, I think they were, they were all yeah, shot. Okay, yeah, but okay. there have been numerous occasions where you just can grab them. A lot yeah. of times they're you know, backed up to a space where, yeah. especially in the States where you're not allowed permitted to shoot them, you have to actually tickle them out or snare them, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But if they're backed into a corner and you know they can't go anywhere, it makes sense just to kind of put your hand in there, get a hold of them, and, yeah, yeah. and rip them out. But. Okay. So let's see. We talked about. Did we already talk about day three, which is today? When um, I don't think we talked about day three. So we started out the morning yellowtelling. So like Linder and uh, Colton Woodall were just talking about, you know, the uh, description of what they look for for yellowtelling. Then we went straight from yellowtelling to diving, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so talk about today's uh, diving, man. No, the sun got up, went diving. We uh, put some hogfish in the boat pretty quick. I think it was like two spots. Had about five hogfish in the boat. And these are hogfish that we passed the day before, you know, just size-wise from what we were looking for. And my goodness, they were beautiful, beautiful hogs, slabs. And you said you wanted to take home some meat, so it was like, all right, well, I got to get in the water and make sure we shoot some hogs for Josh Walker. That's exactly what I wanted. Exactly <laughs> what I wanted was a full fish box to be able to take some fish. He home. kept saying, "I want it, I want it." Exactly. <laughs> but walk, you know, like being a hunter, you know, forever, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, I've killed x amount of whatever the game is it's like now i'm looking for you know a specific criteria what if i'm gonna I take do? it yeah exactly yeah. kind of just you know honed your skills and 
you know, let you work a little harder. So that's kind of the, the point we're at. You know, not all the time. Obviously, we got to, you know, get the meat to bring home. But it gets to a point where it's like, okay, we're looking for, you know, that X amount of point yeah, buck or something sure. there. So it's yeah. like, okay, we let the, the smaller ones walk or whatever. But So, you know, we talked about a pole spear in great depth, right? The differences between a, a traditional pole spear and a pole spear with a roller. So the other legal weapon out here in the Bahamas is a Hawaiian sling. So... Colton Woodall, Brandon Linder, tell me what a Hawaiian sling is, is and also why in the hell not one person used it this entire trip. Go ahead. It's it's a little different. It's more of a bow and arrow, and the Hawaiian slings that we normally use, we don't have any reels or anything attached to the actual spear. So when you're throwing that shaft, I mean, it's pretty much like a bow and arrow where you have one thing in one hand, the shaft in the other pull it through aim boom free shaft is going and then you hit and then you go down and swim and get it i do enjoy it um but it's just that the pole spears are nice the technology these days i mean they're 10 feet i mean it is nice but you know i i definitely go to the hawaiian sling now and again um but it's just different it's different what about what do you think no i would agree with that i mean as far as it you know, there's a levels of like challenge that go along with any sort of, you know, outdoor enthusiast. So, I mean, I would say in the fishing realm, you know, you've got your fly guys, you've got your spin fish, you know, conventional, whatever. It kind of just falls in those categories where the sling, like Brandon was saying, it's more like the archery kind of like slingshot realm where you're going to have to work more. Meaning if you, if you, if you shoot that, you know, shoot whatever fish you're going for, release that shaft, it's going to hit that fish and, a lot of times the fish we're shooting, you know, they're not just going to be stoned, meaning you just swim and grab them. So they're going to take off. So it's like we're in deep water. Okay, we watch where they take off. We have to resurface, go grab them. So it's just, you know, the cost-effective benefit there. But So uh, on my last episode, I had Captain Jack Spiro on, and he had mentioned that uh, in his eyes, the Hawaiian sling was like the longbow of uh, of the spearfishing world. <laughs> yes, a fantastic <laughs> analogy. Fantastic yeah, analogy. Like yes, a exactly. And, uh, you know, first of all, let me talk about Brandon Linder. Why do you not believe in putting a reel on your waist or on your Hawaiian sling? Well, I I don't know. What do you get? When you get string involved and I'm shooting a fish and it's going crazy, potentially a shark, and I've had a couple of reels that have locked up on me or have gotten tangled, it just it scares me a little bit. I, I'm all right, like I'm not diving that deep too. So if it, you know, it'd be one thing if I was diving 60 plus, but I'm diving anywhere 25 to 35, 40 maybe. So I don't I don't need a reel, so to say. But uh, I don't know that line kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't want any you know more issues uh free diving potential issues that i might have with that line and that reel understandable what's your thoughts on the uh on the reels go i would agree with that i mean it's just a a risk increaser especially if it's attached to your waist because you know with the pole spears the hawaiian slings you know you don't have i mean you can't have a float line attached to it meaning where if you shoot it's attached to a, a line or a float that's in the surface but if it's attached to you and you're shooting, you know, a fish that's going to swim straight down, you know, the potential to get your legs tangled and pull you down. It just, the risk to reward just doesn't make sense in, in our eyes for, you know, the type of realm we're in right now. Right. That makes a ton of sense. So uh, let me ask you guys this. So does any of y'all have any experience with uh, Cigatera? Anybody ever caught that out here? 
have not, no. Luckily not. We've yeah, I've yeah. I've talked to people who have. Okay. Okay. And it's kind of a long lasting deal, right? Yeah, if you can steer clear of that, I'd highly recommend <laughs> it. But uh So isn't it like uh it's like a reef toxin and the small fish eat the reef and some of the predatory fish eat those fish and apparently it takes a pretty old fish to, to really yeah, concentrate. It's definitely a food chain problem, you know, and actually uh a couple of years ago, we were here, and the guy who was living at the, the house next door, uh, we came back and we offered him a couple of fish that we shot, and that we were in our minds were like, you know, maybe there's some sig in this, like maybe you know he'll eat it, but he's like, no, like I'm not touching that. He said he's had sig twice Ooh. prior, and 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 it what it does it like triggered if he has like certain types of fish, he says it just like triggers this. I don't know. I don't know if it's immune or what it is, but he says it just brings back the symptoms. And he's like, I will not never touch like X amount of different fish at a certain size or age. So enough to freak me out, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody wants to have that. But uh, guys, look, we got to make it some dinner. It's going to be a short episode. I understand that. But, uh, you know, it's been a hell of a time. So there'll be some cool pictures, videos, so on and so forth to come. But uh, super, super thankful for Brandon Linder, Colton Woodall, Austin Woodall for, you know, having me out here and doing this, uh, you know, once in a lifetime deal for me because growing up in East Tennessee, I was never thinking about spearfishing. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, the older I got, the more I realized, wow, this is a, we'll call it a discipline. We won't call it a sport. We'll call it a discipline. It's just very, uh, <laughs> it, it, start, it started to allure me to it, man, uh, the difficulty of it, you know, being under the water with the sharks and all that, you know, and, uh. I think, remember the last time me and Brandon Linder came over here, which was like two years ago, he said we could do it, you know, and we got the spot, and I, I chickened out, man, I really did, um, but I didn't this time, so felt very good about it, to be able to hop off the side of that boat, swim down, shoot two fish, uh, it was great. Could I have stayed in and shot more? Absolutely, but I got my fill. Uh, all I know is I'm going to be I'm gonna be on this side of the mountain eating fresh Florida fish that's right. when, when everybody else is eating their MREs. So. That's right. <laughs> My point is, this was a trip of a lifetime. I appreciate y'all, you know, for, for having me out and being right beside me in the water because I wouldn't have done it, you know what I mean? If it would have been people that I ain't trust, you know what I mean? So so I appreciate that. But, guys, listen, we're going to have all the pictures and videos, all that good stuff coming down the pipe. We're going to go finish frying this fish, maybe take a uh, golf cart ride because this is our last night in town. But uh, we're going to go ahead and sign it off. Appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate all the boys here for sticking with me. This Retired to Hunt, baby. I'll see you all next week.